0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Richard Waycott, President and CEO of the Almond Board of California. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Foreign subsidies are a threat to the U.S. sugar industry. Learn more about the Zero, for zero bill at SugarAlliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with the Almond Board's Richard Waycott. Next. America's sugar growers are among the most efficient and sustainable in the world, but billions of dollars in foreign sugar subsidies distort the global market and put U.S. producers at a disadvantage. Weakening America's no-cost sugar policy without first reforming the global sugar market would hurt family farms, jeopardize good-paying jobs, and weaken the supply chain that puts sugar on consumers' tables. A new bill called Zero for Zero takes action to zero out all foreign subsidies and level the playing field. Learn more at SugarAlliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. California's top crop is in 1.6 million acres of almond groves. 70% of the crop is exported to over 100 countries around the globe. Richard Waycott, president and CEO of the Almond Board of California, reflects on his state of the industry as we wrap up 2021.
1: And I ended up that presentation with a statement of uh, don't lose sight of what you've created. And I think when we have difficult times like we are now, I mean, COVID certainly and the continuing um, uh, variants that have been coming along, uh, the uh drought situation that may be abating we've had an awful lot of rain and snow here last few days but uh certainly the drought situation um the advent of sigma the sustainable groundwater management act coming down the pike here uh coming into view a lot more sharply in terms of groundwater um uh policy and and uh, diminished uh, groundwater pumping in many areas um you know, there are a lot of things out there. Pricing right now, the the port problems that I'm sure you know about, the, the extreme congestion and problems with the supply chain. I mean, the list goes on and on. And uh, yet, I think uh, we need to reflect on on what we've built as an industry and the very strong foundation we have. Not only you know with our growers and our ag practices and and the tremendous investments that our uh, processors have put into. Uh, processing equipment in their plants and elevating quality and food safety uh, but really just the global community of uh, of customers and consumers that uh, has grown from a billion pounds 20 years ago to over three billion pounds today and and that's uh you know that's a massive effort that's taken a long time to create and and um I, I think it's important that, that, you know, you don't lose sight of, of what's, what you've constructed and what you've, what you've built and created. So having said that, I think that, um we're an industry that's acknowledging we've got, uh, a very good product, we've got a, a very good marketplace, uh, we have at the same time, uh, a lot of pressure on margins and the ability to economically, um uh be prosperous at the moment and uh that's very concerning to to our growers. So I think there's there's optimism and a little bit of trepidation also uh given the current environment that we're living through.
0: How is the drought affecting your growers and your groves right now?
1: Basically we were able to get through last summer uh in a drought um, deficit irrigation mode which is what we tend to do when we get it to drier periods or when water supply is restricted and that just means you know you use what water you have as judiciously as you can which is always the case but uh, in in the in deficit irrigation environments you're you're doling out that water um, in in a you know timing and amount that uh isn't what the tree really needs but it's what you have and try and get through with the best crop you can and also keep your trees as healthy as you can uh, so that's um, pretty much what most people did you did hear some stories of people uh, sort of throwing in the towel maybe and, and pushing out their orchards because of the prospect of, of um, you know future uh, or continuing drought situation and not having the uh, the wherewithal, or deciding not to try and purchase water or somehow um, obtain water uh, at, at very high prices. So uh, the drought has affected uh, many growers uh, up and down the state to varying degrees, depending on where they're located. Um, some in them very, very critical uh, areas where, again, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act probably implies that groundwater in the future is going to be Uh, quite curtailed, uh, may, you know, be deciding to do something else with their land. Um, but generally speaking, we're a multi generational, uh, business and culture here that, uh, by hook or by crook wants to continue and, and they've lived through droughts before and, and have been able to come out the other side and prosper. And I think that's generally the outlook of most uh, growers.
0: If the drought doesn't improve or were to extend, how much of your production would be vulnerable?
1: Yeah, we don't have a good number on that because, uh, as you probably know, the the water availability and water district uh, policies and so on are so different up and down the state that it's uh, it's difficult to to come up with some number like that. I think that uh, you know, as I mentioned in the more Severely curtailed area, either surface water or groundwater or both. Um, you know, you're seeing growers having to make those deficit irrigation decisions, or maybe decide on 100 acres that they're only going to farm half of it, and they'll use the water to keep those trees healthy. Um, so there are decisions being made like that. I, um, but we don't have really any firm statistics on
0: it so you're in also a situation with the drought of exacerbating the situation of urban versus rural
1: well in california the amount of water that's used for uh, agriculture is about 40 percent uh and urban's about 10 percent so even though we have 40 million people living in the state uh the amount of the water resource that goes to urban's about 10 percent so um and, and uh, obviously, environmental use and urban use come before agricultural use. So, if there are any curtailments that are, you know, really significant, like we've had this last year, they tend to fall on agriculture, not on the urban uh, user. And and one thing that that um, we'll be developing some more in, in the future is the fact that that uh, what. What agriculture does for the environment in terms of orchards, uh, as you mentioned before, a carbon sink, uh, and, and emitting oxygen and providing environment for biodiversity is something that really doesn't take place in urban environments. So, uh, those people, most, most of Californians live in, in cities that really are, are, uh, benefit by orchards, uh, in, in our case, offsetting the contaminants, the pollutants and the lack of, of, uh you know, oxygen creation and biodiversity in an urban environment. And so, uh, you know, we're to keep things uh, hopefully more or less in balance. Uh, you know, those folks that live in cities should look at agriculture as something that's helping offset really the environment that we've created in the cities. Something to further to contemplate about how to look at agricultural different, uh, agriculture differently.
0: Let's talk about the product that you raise and the market for it. Um you suggested earlier that a large percentage of the crop that you raised is exported to the globe, and you've had tremendous uh, success in selling this product to the globe. But where are the challenges, and where are the opportunities in the export scene? How much of this comes, uh, of the headwind, comes from governments and trade policy?
1: So, uh, yeah, I think one fundamental, as we've just mentioned before, is that almonds don't grow in many places, not on the scale that we produce them. And so uh, often uh, almonds being imported into a country are not directly challenging a national crop or national production. Um, and that, obviously, depending on where you are around the world, uh, can be beneficial in terms of trade policy uh, by that imported country. Uh, we largely are are pretty much unimpeded uh, by Tariff issues we do have tariffs uh, in um, you know marginally in Europe we have uh, tariffs going into India which is our largest export market but not onerous ones. Um, China, which uh, has been right up there in our top two or three markets uh, in the past export markets uh, obviously went through still is a retaliatory tariff uh, trade war with the United States uh, which increased our tariffs very dramatically. <laughs> and dropped our consumption by about 50 percent, or our imports by 50 percent. Um, that's been somewhat mitigated by a trade ex- or a tariff exemption, a partial exemption, not in total, that um, China made available to Chinese importers, and we've seen volume recuperate there somewhat. But largely speaking, uh, we are uh, not... Excluded from any countries, uh, due to trade policy. Russia right now, uh, is one where almonds are on a, uh, embargoed list, uh, except for processed almonds going into that country, which was a significant import, importer in the past. Uh, other trade issues would be non-tariff barriers, which, uh, are continuing to sort of evolve and emerge around the world uh depending on you know trade relations. Um uh, they tend to to uh be phytosanitary in nature and um or or tend to be you know food safety in nature and those um are ones that for instance in Europe continue to evolve in terms of uh permitted levels of, of pesticide residues or or uh in our case aflatoxin which is um, a mold that uh, emits that uh, potential uh, health risk. And so there uh, are areas where we have uh, uh, non-tariff issues we need to deal with and, and with better detection uh, around the world or um, uh, lab uh, devices that can go into the billions and trillions of uh, presence of something, uh, the uh Uh, Those uh, standards keep keep getting uh, evolved in a more restrictive way, and so it's a challenge to to meet those. But uh, we've done a pretty good job as an industry, again improving our equipment at at our end to to, um, be able to grade and and produce products that meet those import requirements
0: i've talked to other commodity groups that have suggested they would be pleased if the biden administration were to look at uh trying to get back into the cptpp there was also discussion of a of an indo based trade uh, arrangement are there particular trade or deals are there particular countries or regions that you feel as if would be an advantage for the nation's almond producers.
1: Well, I, I think generally speaking, on the almond board, uh, as you know, we're a federal marketing order, so we don't involve ourselves in advocacy or lobbying on issues. But I would say, you know, we we believe, you know, we, open markets are, are best uh, for our growers and, and our product. Uh, and so, you know, anywhere where that doesn't exist, or trade packs, like you mentioned, that could. Uh, improve our access to certain parts of the world, um, Asia specifically, uh, I think are certainly welcome uh, and um, are uh, ones that would, would help us. Uh, you know, were, were we to resolve our issues with Russia, for instance, and uh, get off the embargoed list, I think that would be very helpful. And, and then the retaliatory tariff situation with China, if that were to be resolved, uh, also would would be a, a major benefit to us.
0: Let's talk about air quality issues because you face those in California.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, we work very closely with the airports here. Uh, and because of our size in the Central Valley, uh, which is one of the most polluted places in the nation, uh, we are, are very uh, cognizant of our role. Uh, primarily, uh what comes off of an almond orchard is not uh the major concern of the air boards uh, they're looking at the uh uh 2.5 uh, uh micron uh contaminants that uh, we largely don't produce um, those coming mostly from diesel fuels and and other emissions uh our agricultural dust comes mostly in the harvest period and we have been working, which is not a, it's a, it's a, not, not the major particulate of concern. Uh, and, and yet we're, we're concerned because we would like to diminish that type of, uh, air pollution and have been working very closely with the equipment manufacturers that here in California that produce the harvest equipment to improve, uh, or say, should say reduce emissions in, in that regard during, during harvest. and. Uh, some longer-term plans, possibly going to an off-orchard floor type of harvesting process. Um, if your listeners don't know, we do shake the trees and, and we drop the nuts to the ground and then uh, dry them there and then pick them up, and that involves uh, quite a bit of dust creation. So uh, if we were able to, to harvest them uh, and, and not have them drop to the harvest floor and be able to, to move them off, there would be significant dust reduction with that and other benefits. So, uh, yeah. So we we're, we we're, uh, we do work uh, hand in hand with with the uh, air boards uh, on those issues as well as you know pesticide drift and other things to to uh, to reduce that, that as well.
0: One of the concerns of other farmers in the country is the availability of crop protection products, and that's an issue that you have faced as well. Are there particular uh, chemistries that you use that uh, certainly would be a detriment if you lost those?
1: Yes, they are. And uh, I uh, uh, can't go into specifics on that, but we do have uh, a situation similar to other agriculture across the country that uh, is one of a future of, of obviously less... Uh, fewer tools in the toolbox in terms of uh, the pesticides that we need. Uh, we're aware of that, working very closely with the major crop protection companies in the country uh, and internationally. And uh, with, with an objective, uh, one of our 2025 goals is to reduce uh, or is to increase, I should say, our use of, of environmentally friendly uh, pest management tools. And uh, we've been, again, working very hard on on what those may be uh obviously orchard management's a big one orchard sanitation just to avoid having an environment where pests can proliferate easily and then using pheromone traps and mating uh, mating um, interruption and uh things like that that don't involve pesticides is another so, uh, I think we are greatly challenged with the reduction in, in pesticide products that, uh, we've traditionally used and new ones coming out that, uh, uh, are, are not as numerous as they used to be. And, uh, we're just gonna have to, uh, you know, find, be very ingenious and find new ways to maintain, uh, healthy orchards but without some of the traditional tools.
0: I think it's safe to say that we have a much more health-conscious America, and obviously your market is into the global scheme as well. Do you find that the trend of the consumer is working in your direction, or are you finding new methods, per se, Marvel Comics and Thor, uh, to, <laughs> to reach your consumer and grow opportunities?
1: <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. We're having uh, quite a... Interesting time, good time, uh, developing the relationship with Marvel and, and the Thor movie that's coming up next summer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, if you look back, we've been on a 25 year journey with health and nutrition with almonds. I think we were certainly the first Trina to, to invest very significantly in human diet and, and health research and, uh, we've now published over 200 papers, I believe, it is uh, in terms of clinical research results on different health attributes, starting with cardi- cardiovascular, but moving on to diabetes and vitamin E and, and, uh, fiber and health, uh, gut health and, uh, a lot of other things we've looked into. Most recently, actually, uh, looking into dermatological, uh, impacts of both, um, Almond consumption and, and topical application of almond oil, for instance. So, it's been um, quite quite a journey that, um, through which we've established a very strong foundation in terms of the association of health and almonds, um, certainly creating a health halo. I think with the trends going forward, uh, there are so many health products out there now, healthy food products, uh, that the the competitive landscape has certainly become uh, a lot more. Complicated for us as marketers, but also uh, for the consumer in terms of choice. Um, the plant-based or plant-forward uh, trend is certainly one that that almonds fit very well within, and and take advantage of that, especially due to the diversity of almond ingredient products and applications. It's uh, pretty remarkable now in the United States going into a supermarket, and you can almost find. An almond product in every aisle and it's um, due to the fact that the almond is very shelf stable as well as um, extremely versatile um, in its, you know, product formulations and product innovation. Um, I'd say also that, you know, the gluten free movement has been uh, gone beyond those that <laughs> uh, necessarily have to eat a, a gluten free diet. Uh, it's become more ubiquitous than that and almonds obviously fit well there as well as low carb because we are and and, um, and it fits well there too so there's uh, there, there's a lot of the trends out there a lot of the diet diets that have been popular uh, presently or in the past where almonds fit well and uh, so we see a, a bright future in terms of sort of the overall pie of, of plant-based foods increasing, and almonds, you know, is well situated there and, and has the opportunity to increase its share in the future.
0: Well, Richard Waycott, we want to thank you for being with us on this edition of Open Mike. It is Open Mic, and today, sir, you have the last word.
1: Well, I'd just like to wish everyone uh, a wonderful holiday. I hope you can really relax and uh, let some of the, the worries of the world uh, reside somewhere else for a few days and just really um Again, as I said earlier, don't lose sight of what you have and what you've created as a family or as a business and, and reflect on that over the holidays.
0: Our thanks to Richard Waycott, President and CEO of the Almond Board of California, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance foreign subsidies are a threat to the U.S. sugar industry. Learn more about the zero for zero bill at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.